0: Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, today is episode 92 of the podcast and episode 6 of Bubba and the Batflip. Uh, Bubba and I covered a lot of ground. Uh, we are we are entering almost the final month of the season in September. Uh, with September coming up, and so uh, a lot to go over. We cover some IL stints uh, Jose Ramirez to the IL, Raimel Tapia to the IL, a number of kind of triple A guys with a lot of home run potential coming up. So we take a deep dive on them, uh, take a look at some guys who are overperforming or underperforming uh, based on some expected metrics, and just de- taking a d- uh, deep dive into the skills of some of the players who. Uh, should be uh, uh, or are worthy of notice for good or bad reasons for fantasy owners. Uh, This week was a a really fun week for me. Uh, Every single year, me and a group of uh, college friends uh, go on an annual baseball trip to see different stadiums. Uh, Last year, we went to Fenway, uh, Yankee Stadium, City Field, and then a trip to Cooperstown, which was a lot of fun. We stayed in one location this year. We went to uh, Minnesota, to Minneapolis, uh, to see the twins play in target field target field is a is a beautiful field, definitely one of my favorites um it is a uh, newer stadium obviously, but very very nice. I love um just the the architecture of the place. it feels very very small uh but I like some of the some of the highlights like they used limestone in um a lot of the um uh you know not not the rocks but like the walls that they put places and i guess minnesota is really big for limestone uh, further down south in minnesota so just a really nice stadium saw some good games uh saw max kepler hit a home run saw cj crone hit a home run which was really fun saw the debut of willie castro so all in all a good see, good good weekend but most importantly just getting together with good friends uh, we had a ton of fun we went to the minnesota state fair on sunday which if you have ever been to the minnesota state fair it is quite uh quite the show uh second biggest fair in all of the united states uh we heard that uh 250,000 people go there on the the two weekends that uh take place that's daily totals it was essentially like this massive city of everybody under the sun with just the weirdest and best and most delicious types of food so a really good time if you're ever in uh, Minnesota in the Minneapolis area and you have a chance to check, check out the Minnesota State Fair in late August early September I am not being paid to say this but it's definitely uh, worth it it's a it's a fun time and I didn't even go on any rides so uh, definitely check that out but all in all one of my favorite weekends uh, of the year for sure all right that's enough about that let's dive right into the podcast a lot of Uh, news notes and players to cover hope you enjoy it as usual let's get this party started
1: and welcome back everybody to Bubba and the Batflip edition six got some fun stuff to talk about tonight some not so fun injuries that are kind of wrapping up some uh, fantasy baseball seasons and some cool players that are uh, playing really well and might help you in the last month on your fantasy baseball teams. In order to break it all down, you can find me on Twitter at BDMTrick and my co-host, as always, find me on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, man?
0: We are doing pretty well, Bubba. Um, earlier today, right before the call, I took my two-and-a-half-year-old and my uh, almost six-year-old out to ice cream right before bed, which was a little bit of a mistake, but I've recovered and I'm ready.
1: I thought you were gonna say a mistake because they're still running around the house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. no, they they could be. I'm, I'm oblivious. No, I'm just kidding. They're they're <laughs> fast asleep. So uh, I had to be out of the house for a little bit, um, uh, so my wife could record something uh, for her work and not yeah, have people sure. interfering. And so, uh, yeah, I, it was uh, it was quite a quite a quite a, quite a fun time we had.
1: Yeah, good stuff. Hopefully, someone got chocolate wasted. So that's always good. <laughs>
0: that's and sure.
1: uh, everyone had a good time on that one. I'm hanging out with dad. But uh, let's talk some fantasy baseball as you've had a full weekend of the baseball on hand. And uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what we can chat about here. But one thing I didn't put on the outline, and I just want to mention it. We don't have to talk about it. But um, it happened earlier today. Mauricio Dubon got the call to the Giants. Had to bring that one up. That's kind of a big deal. If he's going to get regular playing time, uh, will be a fab acquisition this week. I don't have a ton on him besides power bat, a little bit of speed, middle infielder. He's a stud, top prospect. They got from the, the Brewers, from Drew, Drew Pomeranz. I know I'm putting you on the spot. If you have anything on it, go for it. Otherwise, we'll just move right along.
0: Um, I think, um, you know, the thing for Dubon, I think that's at least interesting, is the high batting average throughout the minors. Uh, he also steals some bases, as you mentioned. I think the low K rate is definitely something that um, is nice. Uh, you know, for keeping that batting average at least reasonable could have a better situation when it comes to hitting, although right-handed hitters aren't in the worst shape at Oracle. Uh, so I think, you know, in general, if you're looking for maybe a little bit of speed uh, maybe a little bit of batting average, I think you could do worse. It seems like they're going to give him a good run out uh, having released Scooter uh, Jeanette. Um, but yeah, should be interesting. Do you see him getting a lot of uh, playing time, Bubba being closer to the situation there?
1: Yeah, because I figured he wouldn't get called up till September 1st when rosters expanded. So the fact they brought him up now, they released Jeanette, it's pretty much, for me, he should be getting pretty regular time. I don't see why else they would bring him up. He was hitting really well in Sacramento here of late. So they had no reason in my thoughts to, uh, to bring him up unless they're going to play him. So I would expect him to play pretty regularly right now. And if that's the case, I would think he'd have some fantasy viability unless he just completely hits that first-time wall. That's where I'm at there. Let's talk about a guy that kind of will bring, you know, everyone can shed a little tear pouring out for the homie on this one. <laughs> um, the summer of JRAM, as Scott Jinsden loves to tweet about every night, when, when it seemed like every night, because Ramirez was stealing bases, hitting homers, or doing both. But Jose Ramirez, done for the season, maybe he gets back in the playoffs, but I'm pretty much notching it. Done for the season, done for the fantasy season, at least. Um, I knew it the second he did it, because I've witnessed it with Pablo twice, I've witnessed it with Matt Olson to start the year. Swung and missed at a pitch, dropped the bat, left the game. That's usually sign number 1,001 yeah. one, <laughs> that he has a broken hamate bone, and he did. He had that surgery. He already had it today or yesterday, I believe. So he's done. It stinks. The summer's over. But just for fun, where would you take him next year?
0: Ooh, uh, that is a very interesting question. Um, it's interesting. I feel like there's been a lot of just uh, injured – hands and wrists recently just as the result of swings like nelson cruz recently as well where there wasn't contact made it was just you know the the torque of the swing uh for jram you know i'm probably going to have him higher than a lot of people heading into next year i think i'd be comfortable taking him um somewhere in the second round he obviously started uh to turn things around like i haven't laid out you know exactly where the picks would be but You know, he's really turned things around, 327 in the second half, 13 home runs, six stolen bases. The skills never really went anywhere. He still makes a lot of contact. He still has really good plate discipline. He's still hitting the ball in the air a decent amount, and he's never relied on really quality stat cast metrics to be successful. And so I think as long as he can hit 20 home runs, you know, he was on pace or already, I don't have it in front of me, like to steal 30 bases again, did he get to 30?
1: I believe he had 24.
0: 24. So got Which 24. is still really good.
1: He probably would have got close to 30, yes.
0: Absolutely. And we forget, like, he's only 26. He'll be 27 next season. And while stolen bases do tend to go, you know, pretty quickly, I think at 27 I'm not too concerned about that. So with the stolen base landscape, the batting average landscape, the way it is, I still think there's a lot of value. And in a lot of ways I think he's one of those guys who, you know, every year they look at uh, ADP, you know, versus, like, Last year's ADP and the guys who oftentimes have the di- biggest dis- discrepancies end up being values um, because, you know, whether it was an injury or something else, that's the reason why they weren't doing so well. They're actually still very good ball players. How about you? Yeah. Where would you uh, where would you slot him in?
1: You know, honestly, he to me, I don't think because I keep wanting to like put numbers on him, but then I have too many guys in the first or second round because I need to actually sit down and pin it out. Cause there's so many really good players that are creeping up this year compared to years past. I think that'll be something fun we can do in this off season is kind of, um, you know, mock draft things out a little bit and kind of see where we are before we get closer to the season, just like an end of the season type deal. But yeah, um, with, be with, it'd be a lot of fun. And with J Ram, I, I started thinking about it. you. You you were mentioning some of it there. This is a guy that the speech will still be there. The stolen base landscape so bad. You know, he's got twenty five. Homer 30 steal potential, maybe 30-30 potential if things all click right. At worst, 20-30 potential probably. And that's like really, really, really good in, in fantasy baseball these days. And, and if that's the case, you know, that's a second-round pick. I'd like to say front end of the second round, uh, if you can get him on a turn in a 15-team league, I think you're doing pretty there because you probably got either – you could have gotten like a big-time pitcher and got uh, Ramirez on the way back or two stud bats. He locked up some steals. I think in a 15-team league, he's a, he's an early second-round pick right now.
0: Yeah. Devin, I mean, look at – I mean, he's already got – he's he's at 2024 20, in 530 plate appearances. He'll end the season there. Like, that's great. That's great production.
1: And, yeah, and he wasted almost a half a season. So, Absolutely. That's so, yeah, crazy.
0: He's one of those – we've talked about it before. He's one of the streakiest players. He always yeah. has been, and he'll just go on these tears where he can make up a lot of ground that he's missed.
1: So – I'd love to know, and we'll never probably know, but, you know, he was, it seemed like he was popping out more to start the season, a lot a lot more of a fly ball rate, but not the pull fly balls, all that kind of stuff. People were breaking down. I wonder if he did make an adjustment in the swing, and that's what started making things click, and then that's what hmm. messed up his hand <laughs> That's interesting. I, I just, so does he shift back now that he, because, you know, guys can bounce back. Obviously, Matt Olson's kind of the, the, the fluke that did it so quickly, but, you know, after a year, most guys get back to hitting normally. So... Not that he still can't do it, but I'm just curious if that's what caused it or what it was. We'll probably never know. Yeah, well,
0: while while we're while we're while we're chatting, I'll look up his um uh, his average long launch, launch angle for the first and second half.
1: So okay, well, you looked that up. I'll break down the next thing here. Uh, another sad day. Well, it depends depends on how you look at it. I think Herman Marquez going on the IEL and potentially being out for the year might save from some fantasy teams down the stretch. Here, <laughs> um, he's been really really good. There's no hiding that. Like. It's almost like you can take a half a victory lap on either side. Like, okay, he was horrific in Coors pretty much the entire time. But really, if you thought he was going to be good in Coors, you might have been really drinking the wrong Kool-Aid there. But he's great on the road. Even has some good Coors starts mixed in there. Except he started breaking down the last couple starts. And now he's going on the IL with inflammation in his pitching arm. Later that day, reports came out that they're debating instead of just, just saying, screw it, resting him for the rest of the year, which they should do because the Rockies aren't in it. Um, obviously if he's down for the rest of the year, you're getting rid of him. But honestly, Toby, at this point in the season where ratios are so fine-tuned and there's not a great chance Ramon's going to really help you in ratios. He could, but not a great chance. Are you just saying, you know what, if he's going to miss, you know, the next two to three weeks, come back middle of September, I might just have to drop him for something else that I need right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I think so. Um, before we hop into that, uh, Jose Ramirez's launch angle in the first half was 21 degrees. 21.2 degrees, second half, 17 degrees. Now I generally don't use average launch angle um, just because I think it can be a little bit, a little bit messy. Uh, Cause we're really looking for how frequently people hit them at really nice launch angles and not necessarily the overall average. But I do, do think that that tells you something that he was hitting the ball at a lower trajectory, maybe fewer pop-ups second half. We'll have to investigate a little bit more on uh, Marquez. Yeah. I mean, for me, Um, it's, it's kind of, if this is the end of this season, I I don't know it it probably won't be, but you know, I was very high on him heading into this year, like a lot of folks. And he's definitely been a disappointment. What was surprising to me is just to look back and a lot of the skills are pretty similar year over year to last year. And so it just really shows you how much like that hot streak he went on in the second half uh, of this year, how much that really, um, it, it. everything good just kind of happened in a consolidated point of time period of time, um, which made him look, look so good. Like the, the skills are fine, but they're not uh, the elite uh, skills. They were second half of last year. Um, I've dropped him in 12 team leagues and under for a while now. I just think it's so hard with Marquez because it's like, okay, you can't really start him at home with much confidence. So can you start, you start him on your road starts, but what happens if you get a two start week? where you have one mm-hmm. at home and one on the road, right? I think that was kind of the tipping point for me, was he had, a, he had a two-start week like that, and the first game was against the Giants at home, and he gave up those like 10 earned runs and in two innings or something like that. And at that point, I was like, look, if I can't trust him with any start at home, can I really, you know, is he really worth having on my team? And so I think in 15-teamers, right, where, you know, you're scraping the barrel just to get any, any pitcher with a pulse right now, I think you hold on to him, you know, and try to stream him in those, in those away starts. But outside of that, I think you can, um, I think you can say goodbye. And, and even in those 15 team leagues at you know, at this point in the season, like you're going to be missing out on some strikeouts by not filling it, like filling his spot in with a two, two start streamer or something like that. So I'm okay even leaving him and
1: cutting him in 20 team leagues.
0: Or yeah. And that's, that, that's my thing. It's like, he's almost
1: doing more damage than good. You're just going to, Still having to get this nitpicky this late in the year, you just need bodies out there. It's, it's going to be tough because, you know, if he wasn't on the, the IL this week, he had a two-starter in Coors. He had Boston in the first game. I can't even think about who He had the second game, but it, it's Coors. So yep. he was in a messy situation, and you probably weren't playing him. So if you're not playing him by this point in the year on a two-star week, you need bodies that can get the job done. That's just the way I see it right now. And um, we'll see. It'll be fun to see what the discussion's like next year now after the, after this past off season where you're either heavy team Marquez or heavy against team Marquez, there's a little bit of both arguments here, like I said, is that he wasn't he was a typical coorsfield ace, is the way I'll say it. And can you handle that or where he might get drafted? I, I think I probably want not own him again. That's I just the way it's I, gonna go.
0: I'm team team Rockies trade Marquez to somebody else. <laughs>
1: that would be amazing. I get him in a pitcher's ballpark and oh my put him in like San Diego and let the oh, good man. times roll. That would be sure. awesome. Uh, sticking with the Rockies real quick, Raimel Tapia goes to the IL. He was actually starting to play really well as he got everyday playing time after David Dahl's injury. They called up Sam Hilliard, who went deep just like 10 minutes ago as we were recording. Mm-hmm. And Hilliard and the, the Miners had 35 homers, 29 doubles, 22 stolen bases. It wasn't Albert Cookie, but uh, it, bouncy ball's bouncy ball. He was crushing it. So he's going to probably get some regular playing time right now. Any takes on uh, Tapia or Hilliard?
0: No, you know, it was funny, like I was thinking, um, as I saw this on the list to cover, uh, you know, any normal team, you would just be like, oh, well, this is an opportunity to get Garrett Hampson some (laughs) playing time, you know, some additional at bats, he could be a really nice ad. And then I look at the lineup and Sam Hilliard's in there going against Rick Porcello. So, um, you know, you mentioned Hilliard's been hitting the ball well this year, 35 home runs and 22 stolen bases in AAA, that's nice. Uh, As you mentioned, Albuquerque is probably the most hitter-friendly park in the minors. Last week, I mentioned the Baseball America article that uh, did park factors for the minor leagues. Albuquerque is in the 99th percentile, according to that article, which means it's the best place to hit uh, in all of minor league baseball. So take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. The thing that sticks out uh, that kind of, for me, that makes me a little less interested, obviously Coors is a great place to hit. Be showing that with the home run today, like you mentioned, but 29% K rate at AAA at a place like Albuquerque really raises some red flags for me um, about what that strikeout rate is going to look like and whether the contact rate um, is going to be enough to provide much value. He doesn't walk that much, so not additional value in OBP leagues. I think it was like about 8 to 9% throughout his minor league career, so nothing terrible but nothing necessarily to write home about. So overall, I don't think he's of much interest. If you can maybe stream him on a week that the Rockies are home and there's a lot of right-handed pitchers, that would be an example of a time that I might consider using Hilliard. Uh, but outside of that, I don't see much uh, much value there. Um, I'd see a lot more value in Garrett Hampson if they were to give him additional plate appearances.
1: Yeah, I could see that with Hilliard. It's pretty much a um, – are they in Coors for the week play or not? Kind of how – a lot of people actually picked up Brian Meltaffi this week too on the IL on Monday. So that was fun for many. I was fortunate not to win those bids, but I know what happened. Um, and that's just the, the the sad truth. At least they let us know before line was locked. That was nice with him. Um, the Miami Marlins, Brian Anderson goes to the IL, got hit in the hand, broken hand. Um, not good. Going to be out for a while. I'd be shocked if he makes it back this season, maybe gets a few at bats late. They recalled Austin Dean, who I know is a big fan of some of the prospect guys out there. I'm not really in love with either one of them. Do you have any? And, and the sad thing is our boy Vinny V when he had a horrific game was the one oh, that did man, this. so Vinny V start was brutal. Yeah, that was, I tweeted it out that night. That was the the bad Vinny V experience. You get that once in a while. And that was the full blown, you know, two good innings, we're gonna do it again tonight, guys. Then 10 and runs. <coughs> so that's Vinny V at his finest. But uh, any takes on Brian Anderson or Austin Dean?
0: Um, Nothing much on Dean. Uh, for Anderson, um, you know he was having a pretty pretty good year, especially when you consider the fact that you know he's a Marlins hitter and he plays in that park half of his um, games, and that lineup is pretty bad. I mean it's had a, had a little bit of run with Garrett Cooper in there. Um, John birdie is a is a big friend of the podcast and a friend of mine right now. Um, but he hit 20 home runs. That has always been kind of his weakest piece of his hitting profile has been the power, and so I think the uh, the happy fun ball really helps helps him there. And it's encouraging. His hard hit rate was up 6%. Over last year, his in-zone contact rate um, improved up to 87%, which is really nice, but his plate discipline did get worse this year. And as a result, his overall contact rate fell a little bit. I think he's going to be a guy that ends up on a lot of sleeper lists heading into next year. Um, You know, he's got solid plate skills. He's got guaranteed playing time, dual position eligibility. Again, he's still just 26 with 1300 plate appearances, uh, on his major league re- uh, resume six percent barrels per plate appearance a 114.4 max exit velo, which is really really nice um, from my perspective ground ball rate was cut by six percent still at 45 percent this year but if that can get down into the 30s i think you could see him take another step forward with that power and we could be talking about a guy who hits a round league average with 30 home runs um, and some decent counting stats and a little bit of speed even so I think uh, I, I would expect Brian Anderson, if not on mine, to be on a number of other um, kind of sleeper lists. I own him a bunch of places, and so this one uh, hurts some deeper leagues. Neil Walker uh, is also getting played appearances. He's the guy that I kind of looked into, um, but not super useful outside of very deep leagues. He's got a lot of position eligibility. So if you're in like a 15-team league and you really just want a guy who you can plug in a lot of places in case there are unexpected injuries, he might be a guy – um, to go for if there are decent matchups coming up for the Marlins. Um, I don't know. Did you look at uh, at Dean at all?
1: I've looked at him before. He, he's he got some big time power. He's got some bad and average issues playing in that ballpark. He just doesn't, he doesn't do it for me. I'd, I'd honestly rather take a chance on Sam Hilliard than mm. I would on Austin Dean. Dean. Dean could pop out. He could hit one of those, you know, September streaks that we see some guys hit from time to time. But for me, Austin Dean really isn't a, a guy on my list right now unless. I'm missing something, but I, I know he's had chances before and I haven't seen what uh, other people seem to love with him. Mm. But it is uh, you mentioned Neil Walker and Brian Anderson, two guys that take me down memory lane from the start of the season. I wrote an article on Neil Walker as like, you know, you look at all his X stats going into the season. He was one of the most unlucky players in baseball and one of the most consistent players in baseball. He hasn't really done it this year, but he has homeward of late. So, yeah, he's deep, deep league. I can see that. And Brian Anderson, I loved him as a late-round value. You obviously have him in a lot of places. The thing I liked about him, pretty good average. Um, and just, you know, get on base, score some runs. The fact he upped his homers to 20 this year, I don't know if it's because of the bouncy ball or if he increased things, but it is a great sign. If he starts hitting with consistent power, then he's going to be a, a massive a player of interest next year. Because last year, for, for many, it was kind of a, a deep league, late-round, okay, running a corner infielder type guy. But if he can if he can put up 20 plus home runs and hit the way he hits, uh, he's going to become much much more valuable uh, come draft day next year. The Oakland Athletics Stephen Piscotti to the IL. They call up youngster Seth Brown, who uh, has been playing pretty good, hitting 297 this year uh, in AAA for the A's with uh, 37 home runs and eight stolen bases. He hit 30 home runs back in 2017. Always been about a 270 plus hitter. So some good signs there. He had a couple of knocks in his first game in Kansas City. The other thing that helps is it gives Mark Conner more consistent playing time as he continues to crush the baseball, a guy that I've had in 15-team leagues for well over a month. I've been riding that hot streak out. But Seth uh, Brown gets the call. Should be a popular acquisition this weekend.
0: Yeah, um, the home runs are obviously, again, uh, you know, like how many guys are we seeing coming up from AAA this year? But, again, like you see Aristides uh, Aquino, Uh, come up and kind of out of nowhere uh, catch a lot of people by surprise Uh, the 37 home runs uh, they do come in Las uh, Vegas uh, which is an incredibly friendly hitters park 98th percentile in that same baseball America park park factors rating so you got to put that into uh, plug that into the equation a little bit too he struck out 26 percent of the time in AAA but he did get that down to 21 percent of the time over his last 30 games Um, so that is uh, you know there's a little bit of interest there Obviously Oakland is not hitter friendly. And I think there's going to be a log jam in the outfield when Ramon Laureano comes back, which I, which I understand is going to be shortly. Uh, You know, so with that, and and we're going to talk about Mark Kanya a little bit later. I just think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, mouths defeat in that, in that outfield. And I'm not sure how long we're going to see Brown for, and I'm just not sure that, you know, the power is great, but I haven't seen enough. Like we don't even have a stat cast reading beyond 93 miles per hour for Unless we start seeing some special numbers there, I don't see much reason to be excited.
1: Yeah, uh, I think, he's, like you said, the biggest thing for me is is going to be coming back here sooner than later, so that'll definitely take up some uh, attention from uh, Brown. Let's go to the Atlanta Braves. Francisco Cervelli, we talked about, he's going to be trying to make a return to catcher, and now he gets dealt to the Atlanta Braves. got a couple knocks in his first game. They still have Tyler Flowers and Brian McCann sitting around there. So just another another mouth to feed. For me, it's only if you're super super desperate. So I don't think he's gonna get the enough playing time. But what do you got on Francisco Cervelli?
0: Yeah, I mean, I liked Cervelli a lot heading into this year. I actually had him. I think he was one of my most owned players heading into the season. I think I had him in like eight of my 14 leagues, something crazy like that. I uh, just saw a lot of value, and you looked at, uh, at what the projections had for him heading into this year. And how much he cost um he looked like just a great value and clearly that hasn't been the case so far um you know last year's quality of contact metrics were better but he hasn't been able to repeat them his ground ball percentage is up four percent he's only got a three percent barrels for per plate appearance after over five percent last year that's not necessarily something to write home about but last year that was uh, better than league average i did put in a claim for him in a couple places i don't know if i ended up getting him i think i had jason castro Um, ahead of him in one of the leagues where I needed a second catcher like you mentioned he's going to rotate in there with Tyler Flowers I think there are worse options to gamble on Um, I think he'll get 50% of the playing time probably and while he's you know while uh, I can't remember what happened to McCann but um, for as long as McCann is certainly out and I think the Braves lineup is good enough to provide him with uh, at least more production than he had in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's go to the Milwaukee Brewers. They designate Julie Chassin for assignment as kind of a surprise for a team that needs pitching. And they call up uh, Corey Spangenberg. Uh, many remember him when he was on the Padres for a while there. You know, decent hitter, a little bit of pop. To me, it's interesting because they're playing him almost every day since he's gotten called up. But I just never really thought Spangenberg would be a guy of interest. Do you have any interest in a guy like Corey Spangenberg?
0: Um, I don't really. um I mean, I think in some of the deeper leagues, he's an interesting home run stolen base threat, uh, especially when he's playing at home. I mean, Miller Park for left-handed hitters really is Coors Midwest. But he strikes out way too much, close to thirty percent in recent seasons, including twenty nine percent this year in triple A. I mean, he does have fourteen homers and twenty eight stolen bases. And so if you des if you're in desperate need of stolen bases, he could be an option to consider, you know, if there's a lot of righties in the lineup uh, for the Brewers. He could get that strong side of the platoon. So I'm not overly interested. I could see where he could be useful, but I think that there's just too much, too much risk both in playing time and the profile uh, to be somebody that I'm, uh, I'm targeting too
1: much. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm not really in love with uh, Spangenberg, but. They'll probably do a couple things here or there to make people get excited, but overall, I don't think the profile is something I need to be jumping after. Uh, the Miami Marlins, Jose Urania, who I know you were you're kind of big on there for a while, who's having a, yeah. a nice little renaissance to his season, goes on went on the IL back in June, but now he's supposed to be coming back here in Donnie Baseball, already saying that there's a good chance Urania will return in September and be the Marlins' closer. Which is very surprising, uh, but it's been kind of a, a revolving door there since Sergio Romo and Nick Anderson have left town. Um, again, the Marlins don't get a lot of save chances, but does a guy like Jose Urania become of interest for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, this show is turning into like ghosts of the of Christmas past for me. I mean, <laughs> Cervelli and Urania were were two of my most own players heading into the season. Um, yeah I think uh you know Arenya. he's slightly intriguing as the closer. I think the big thing for him is velocity that's why I liked him a lot heading into this year. He's one of the top five guys in terms of average fastball velocity um and that that is something we you know that velocity is critical um I think the velocity could you know it depends how he comes back from that injury, but it could really play up in the bullpen i mean he's he's consistently ninety six ninety seven with his fastball as a starter, so you could definitely see him getting up to triple uh, triple digits on a fairly consistent basis. If he was, um, you know, coming out of the bullpen, he doesn't have any dominant uh, breaking or off speed pitches. The slider has shown some flashes of life in the past, but not a lot of consistency, but maybe with the increased velocity that can play up a little bit. So I'd monitor it. If you have the luxury of a DL slot and you're able to stick him in there and you're in need of saves, I can think of worth, worse things to do, but I'm not, you know, run into the waiver wire to pick him up looking for saves. That's for sure. Like you mentioned, the Marlins don't get many saves. I mean, we are just learning that Ryan Stanek is probably the closer there because they got their first save chance in like a month and a half.
1: Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy there. It's one of those that, you know, if you buy him, you might get two or three saves in the rest of the year. Is that really enough to spend that much fab on him? Maybe for, maybe it's what you need. I don't know. But for me, probably not where I'm going. Yeah. Um, Justice Sheffield, one of the top prospects from the Yankees that came over to the Mariners in the James Paxton deal, had a rocky spring, had a rocky start to the season. He was walking everybody under the sun of the minors. Still, in the grand scheme of things, had a very bad walk ratio, but in his last like month or two, really lowered the walk rate. Still not great, but lowered it a lot better than it was. Has decent strikeout stuff. Uh, he came up. He's going to be a staple in the rotation probably the rest of the season. It is a risky proposition, but is this a guy you're interested in at all for September?
0: Um, not really. Um, you know, like you mentioned, he's, he's struggled, struggled a lot in AAA. He had a 2.7% K-walk rate. That's right, a 2.7%. That's, that's not, walk good, rate. not good, folks. It's not good. He did pitch really well in AA. Um, I'm not sure when that happened during the season, whether that was early on in the middle or towards the end here, but he did have some pretty good numbers in AA. I think the real question for me is whether he can get enough swings and misses his velocity is down uh one and a half miles per hour from last year now that may be that he can't remember last year if he pitched out of the bullpen um exclusively in his brief um little cameo but um either way his velocity is down at ninety-two nine, which is i think right around league average for um uh you know a starter the thing about this time of year is in a lot of ways i don't know if this makes sense or not but in a lot of ways, I'd rather um, I'd rather bet on the guy I, the players I know, than the players I don't know. And what I mean by that is I'd rather bet a guy like you know like um, uh, and of course this worked out today, but I had Adam Plutko like in every single one of my yeah. big fifteen team leagues, right? Because like I know number one he's in a good situation with uh, Cleveland, and um, you know he's mediocre enough. Um, does he have the potential to blow up? Sure. But I know that if he pitches decently, he's gonna. He should get enough win- innings to get a win. Um, I know that they're in the playoff spot, and so you know that's their motivation. They've got a good bullpen, and so I'd rather take a risk on a guy like that, or even like a uh, Wade LeBlanc, who's pitched really well at home, who's gotten a decent amount of Ks on the same team, and oftentimes pitches as the opener, and so gets access to that win a little bit easier. And I would wish somebody would like Sheffield, and so. Um for now I'm not interested maybe he'll prove me wrong but I'm going to keep on sticking with these boring you know veterans with 5 ERA's but you know but but kind of the devil I know I guess that's the phrase I was looking for the devil I know versus the devil I don't
1: Yeah no I'm 100% with you there at this time of the year give me the guy that I know can put together a good start from time to time the instead of the guy that might put together a good start that's what I'd rule with all day long at Plucko like you said without standing tonight so Hopefully in the two-step works out great the second time around. I'll be really, really happy with that. Uh, last piece of news we have here, the Tigers, they select Willie Castro, bring up a 22-year-old Willie Castro from AAA, came over in the Leonis Martin deal last season. He's a steals machine, 16 or more steals in every year since 2015. A little bit of pop, not a ton, decent average. Um, he's going to get regular playing time with the uh, the Tigers right now. What's your uh, your thoughts on Willie Castro? Like, If you're in need of steals, are you going after him?
0: Yeah, he's definitely somebody who's interesting. I mean, his promotion hasn't really gotten much play anywhere that, that I've seen. It wasn't kind of uh, – he wasn't a highly-touted touted prospect coming up. In fact, I was at the game this weekend in Minnesota, Minnesota Tigers, and I didn't realize that he was playing because they also have Harold Castro. Um, I didn't realize he was playing, which is, just tells you, I don't know, what about me. But um, he, I didn't, didn't know he was playing. I missed his debut. He debuted, I think, on Saturday, and I didn't realize until Sunday. Uh, that he was in the lineup. You know, he, this year he's got, you know, he's so, so I did put a couple bids in on him, like conditional bids and I didn't end up getting him anywhere, but um, 11 home runs, 17 stolen bases as a 22 year old in triple A. And so you might be thinking, Oh, well, triple A happy fun ball. Well, uh, Erie, where he played his triple A games actually plays in the 46th percentile, according to baseball America's park factors. And so it's not the type of bandbox box that you would generally see, you know, um, in the PC- in the PCL or even the international league. Um, so that gives me a little bit of hope there. And I think for the longer term, he's definitely somebody who interests me a lot. Um, he can get some steals. He hit 301 with a 113 WRC plus as one of the youngest players in AAA. And so I think maybe more for the long-term, like in your dynasty or your keeper leagues, it's, it's gotta be a pretty deep keeper pre- to look at him. But, um, you know, I think there's some interest. And I think in the shorter term, there is the possibility that he could steal some bases. The Tigers don't have much to play for. Um, so giving him a little bit of a leash on the base paths, uh, they stole quite a few bases this weekend, if I remember correctly. And so um, that could be intriguing as you get some AL central matchups. So that may be the way that uh, that's the way at least that I would use him.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think it's, it's all about steals for him. It's, you know, last week we talked about, I think three or four different guys to go acquire for steals uh, uh, for the waiver wire. I think Castro is one of those guys as well. If you didn't get scooped up this last weekend, he's a guy you could try to attack there. Uh, let's check out some players uh, through the month of August, or the last few weeks, or whoever we want to break it down—good, the bad, the ugly—about it, and see if it's worth you know panicking or maybe taking a gamble on here in the last month of the season. As you got to be quick to uh, pull the trigger these days, flip and go. Uh, Reese Hoskins. This is a guy. Sunday, I was doing a lot of uh, just looking at you know the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Statcast uh, searches and Reese Hoskins kept showing up everywhere on the X stats as underperforming drastically. And some of them still, you know, he's hitting a buck 15 in August. The X stats was like 205 or something like that. That's not great. But his 260 Well, in August, he had a much better X Woba. His slugging was much better. He only has two home runs in the month of August. It's been dreadful, but he's walking 21% of the time. He's got 320 OVP in August. So leading off, he's been productive in that respect, scoring. Uh, 17 runs in the month of august so he's done his part there but coming from the power that we're looking for from reese hoskins and what you see when you kind of look deeper into it there toby is there anything to be optimistic about because he's having just a horrible season yeah
0: yeah well just looking at him recently i mean 262 woba since august 1st but a 344 expected woba so he's obviously underperforming and i think you know we've talked a lot we talk a lot about the woba versus expected woba and like you know, how to use it, how not to use it. I think one thing you'll just notice is that sometimes like when guys are running hot, it means that they're overperforming what they should be doing. And when they're running cold, it means they're underperforming what they're doing. And, you know, like it's very easy, you know, to be up or down, up or down. And in the, in over the course of the season, generally speaking, you know, they will be kind of where they, where they should be. That's not always the case, but often is, you know, his, his, this season has been a disappointment. I mean, when you think about Hoskins, you think about power, you think about him coming on the scene um, early on in his career. Um, and, you know, his barrel rate is down this year. It's at 5.4%. Again, like, I don't like to use average launch angle, but, like, sometimes it's instructive. His average launch angle for this season, for the season, is 25 degrees. Um, and it was already high last year at 22 degrees. Um, Eno Saris and uh, Derek Van Riper did a, a nice piece on Hoskins. I think in the most in their most recent podcast over at The Athletic, which is definitely worth uh, the subscription cost, uh, where they just talked a little bit about, um, you know, just the launch angle issue and the fact that he's hitting a ton of uh, pop ups and not very good batted balls. This was an issue for him throughout his career, really. That's why he's never had that batting average, despite having decent contact skills and a really, really good eye. Um, and so I think this is just one of those cases where it's gotten a little bit more extreme than it has been um, uh, previously. A- and so it's gone from a, from a bad problem to a worse problem. And I think we're seeing that uh, with that average, that BAB up and compounding the problem is the fact that everybody else in baseball is hitting for a lot more power. So that one of the, one of those skills, I mean, he never had average. So if it's not an OBP league, it's like, you kind of had like his RBI, a little bit of the runs and the home runs. He doesn't steal much. So you take away that power and he's even less valuable than he was um, previously. And so I think this is kind of like uh, everything working together kind of as a worst case um, situation uh, for him. We've seen this previously, like Matt Carpenter had, a, had a, a, a too high launch angle on too many of his batted balls. Two years ago, Max Kepler, that was a major issue for him last year. Um. So it's definitely something that can be fixed. And so hopefully either later this season or next season, he's able to make some adjust, adjustments there. But really what it's done is take away what value Hoskins did have over a lot of the field.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. And just the shift on how bad it's been has been pretty, pretty wild. A uh, guy that we kind of mentioned earlier, we'll break him down a little more now is Mark Tana of the Oakland Athletics, getting some regular playing time between the Piscotti, Lariano injuries, Chris Davis struggles. He's getting time out there. And in the month of August, he is crushing it in 380 with a 446 Woba. He has five home runs. He's driven in 15. He is striking out 31.5% of the time. That's not ideal. But all in all, playing really, really well. Um, tons of multi I games. What's your take on Mark Connick? Because it seems like as good as he's playing, even when Loreano comes back, he might have to eat into some Chris Davis playing time right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Let me just uh, say that I'm really sad right now because Mike Minor was pitching an absolute gem and then gave up a single and then walked two batters and just gave up a double to Cole Calhoun. So when it, when it little, rains, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad right now. I own him every single place humanly possible. Uh, but Mark Konya, uh, like you mentioned, he is playing really, really hot and it's going to be part of that jumbled outfield when L'Oreano comes back he's really earned the time 451 WOBA 388 expected WOBA since August 1st so kind of playing a little bit um, above his head um, there 6.1 percent barrels per plate appearance this year 6.3 last year so that's better than league average that's pretty re- nice right now I think the biggest thing for him is his he's definitely improved his plate discipline 6 percent dip in his O swing which means he's swinging at better pitches which um, is always uh, always a positive. He's running uh, a bit hot overall for the season, two thir- three ninety six woba compared to a three fifty five expected woba. But that three fifty five expected woba is still solid. Um, the 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 thing that jumps out at me when looking at his recent performance um, over the last thirty games, he has a fifty percent pretty much. It's forty nine point three percent fifty percent hard hit rate. That's way above where he's been uh, throughout this season, um, and way above. Uh, where he has been for um, his career as well. And so I think, um, uh, you know, that that's kind of driving what he's been able to do, do now and whether that's going to be something that's sustainable or not, uh, I'm, not really, uh, I'm not really sure. But obviously he's earned the playing time, like you mentioned, and there's going to be a real battle for playing time, uh, especially when Piscotti ends up coming back from the DL. Uh, that could impact quite a bit of the playing time uh, that different players get.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in Oakland, especially with rosters also expanding here pretty soon. But uh, let's go to Tampa Bay. This one stood out to me when I was kind of perusing the interwebs on Sunday. Travis D'Arnaud, it wasn't too long ago, Toby, where the world was taken by storm by what was Travis D'Arnaud. Including us on the podcast. Exactly. Triple dog night in New York and just kept taking it over for a good month. Well, not in the month of August. The, the calendar changed and so did his swing. It went back to normal. He's hitting 206 with a 234 Wilba, zero home runs in the month of August. Still an 18% K rate, but it is absolutely dreadful for Travis Dayrnode. Still getting a lot of playing time out there. But when you look at this, it's it's not pretty. And guys that you know went and picked him up, for me, I'm good with uh, Churn and Vernon, the catcher position. But What's your thoughts on Dayrnode right now?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, over the last little stretch, 235 Woba, 258 expected Woba since August 1st. I think we discussed this when we talked about him a couple, a few weeks back. It was probably like a month ago or so. You know, he was playing well, but he was playing over his head. And as we tend to see, like sometimes you're playing well and you're playing above your head. Sometimes you're playing poorly and you're not doing as poorly as it shows up. But that's what you know regression is is all about and i think that's what started to take a toll like you mentioned there's nothing that's jumping out as being particularly concerning in the batted ball profile um, everything is kind of back to where it usually is um, for diarno which makes him i think uh, um, you know which makes him a decent catcher too um, and i think the the rays have a decent schedule coming up here so maybe he can maybe he can bust out of it he's still playing you know, as regularly, if not more uh, than most other catchers that you have as your catcher, too. And so um, I think uh, with with drno you know, it's kind of business as usual, and this is just part of the the usual variance that we see within the course of the season.
1: Well, let's stick with the usual variance and see if this is usual <laughs> variance because Manny Machado, Mr. I got paid, and to me, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of joking things. He's still a very good ball player and to me deserved every bit of that price. As because it's the going rate in baseball. This is called a slump to me. But what do you see when looking at the numbers of Manny Machado in the month of August, he's hitting 200 with a 242 Babbitt, 20% K rate, not horrible, 238 Woba, only one home run in the month of August. I know it's Petco Park, but one home run, Manny Machado. What is going on here, Toby? What are you seeing with him that, uh, like, is there any hope this season he can can rebound here? Are we kind of thinking – this might be it for now. We have to start over again next year.
0: Um, You know, uh, you mentioned 239 WOBA over the, since August 1st. Uh, 302 expected WOBA. Um, so, again, like not as – oh, no.
1: Uh, did the Angels do more damage? Brian did yeah. yeah. Of all people. Center,
0: two all score. people. You go from six shutout innings to four earned runs. And six and two thirds lost the quality start in Barf. This is just
1: well, that's what happened. That's what happened terrible. to Pablo Lopez in his return the other night. It was going great. He's at the oh. three run homer to Freddie Galvis and just ruined it all.
0: He was up, he was up oh two on Goodwin of all guys. Oh, anyways, back to the task at hand. So <laughs> um so yeah, 302 expected woba well since August 1st. So not good. I mean, nothing is too concerning in the overall profile. He's had a slight dip in contact over the course of the season. That's resulted in about a 5% increase in his K rate. The quality of contact is also down 8.5% barrels per plate appearance last year, 5.8%. Um, this year, you know, he does need to learn a little bit about a new league, um, you know, going moving over to the NL. He had a little bit of time with the Dodgers, but not a ton. Uh, every, everything looks okay over his last 30 games, a little bit of a dip in a hard hit rate. The plate skills are actually better. Both the O swing and the end zone uh, and overall contact rates are up. So I think he's going to be okay. Um, it just may be a situation where, you know, in addition to Machado not necessarily living up to expectations, the league is also playing higher than expectations. And I'm sure I haven't looked at his WRC plus, but I'm sure it's much lower than it's been in previous seasons because while he hasn't been as as good, a lot of players who, you weren't expecting power from have increased. I think this has always been a little bit of my um, issue with Manny Machado and taking him so high up in the drafts is the power has been always been decent. It's never been, you know, uh, elite. And then the stolen bases have really kind of come and gone. Um, and so you, it's really hard to rely on him for stolen bases and he's not stealing bases this year, which is kind of eroding even more of that value, um, than you would have necessarily, um, uh than 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 otherwise. I think one thing that does concern me is just the broader impact of the change in ballpark on his production. Um you know this year um he's hitting 230 at home. Again, it's not the largest of sample sizes. It's his first time. It's new surroundings. He's got to get used to it. That's a thing. Um, but in 2018 he hit 329 at home. Not all at Camden Yards, but he hit really well at home. He hit 288 the year before that um, at home as well. And so a lot of his production in both of those seasons for home runs, he had nearly two times as many home runs at home as he did on the road. And so it may all be, also be a situation where maybe we didn't um, consider enough the park factor of leaving um, Camden on his, his overall production. Um, so that would be the only longer-term concern that I have for him. But you know, just from like a yearly production basis, it's a disappointing season for sure. But again, it's one that could change uh, pretty quickly if he ha- if he goes on a if he has a hot uh, September uh, here down the stretch, and he doesn't have a bad setup for that. I mean, he's got four coming up at San Francisco, so not the best pitching staff, not the best ballpark. He's got a series uh, later on uh, in September. He's got a series at Coors for for three. Um, and then at Milwaukee for four. So, you know, there's definitely the opportunity to have a solid September there. Um, and if he puts that, you know, in the books, he won't be a, a massive disappointment, but certainly a disappointment so far this year.
1: Yeah, been a rough year for Manny Machado. I can see that draft price falling as we speak about him. It'll be real interesting next season to see where that all goes in that one. Well, let's talk about his teammate, Chris Paddock. Uh, this is an interesting one. 2017, missed the season due to TJ. 2018, made his return through 90 pitches, or 90 innings. In uh, 2019, this year, he's thrown 117 and a third innings already. And you can see he might be getting a little gassed out here, Toby. Oh, in the month of August, he's made four starts. He's only made it through the fifth inning once. He's given up at least one home run in all five starts. He's pitched a total of 17 innings, 19 earned, six homers, a 10.06 ERA to go with the 5.14 one 4 XFIP. Even though those XFIPs, almost half his ERA, it's still not good at all. Um, this is getting scary. This is getting to the point where they might need to shut him down just because he's at that innings wall. Um, he's kind of a liability when it comes to pitching right now. What's your thoughts when you look at uh, Chris Paddock right now?
0: Yeah, you know, um, 446 Woba <laughs> since August 1st. 338 expected Woba. I know folks are uh, fans of Paddock, are really big fans of him. You know there isn't anything that jumps out. Um, you know, and I mentioned this, I I posted on Twitter, I can't remember when it was. I think it was God, it must have been in April at some point in time, I think, or something, that you know what he what he had shown, you know, wasn't that um extraordinary. Um, that he was relying on a very low Babip, a very low home run per fly ball rate, um, at that point in the season. And and I apologize for that tweet like a month or so later because um it was uh because it was proving to be incredibly false he was still pitching really really well but now that we're kind of at this point in the season you know a 3.84 ERA uh with a 239 BABIP um again like 10.8% swinging strike rate that doesn't necessarily um uh jump out at you that's right around league average his in zone contact rate is right around league average um you know he's got a 1.61 home runs per 9 now and the 16% home run per fly ball rate, that sounds really high, but the season average across the Big leagues is above 15% uh, at this point. And so that's really actually not that out of the ordinary. Um, again, like you mentioned, like he's pitching a number of innings that he's not used to pitching, uh, and the level of effort that's required for each one of those innings is more as well. So it's not necessarily surprising that he's wearing down. A little bit. I think my one concern for him in the longer term is the fact that he doesn't really have a dominant repertoire when you look pitch by pitch. The changeup is very good. Uh, it's not necessarily elite. 16% swinging strike rate, gets a lot of chases, generates poor contact. That's really, really good. But the fastball is good. It's not great. Um, the uh, And then the curveball is really kind of a throwaway pitch, a 5.9% swinging strike rate, a 121 WRC+. Plus. And it's really hard to be elite without having, you know, a dominant pitch uh, in the majors, which, you know, again, the changeup is very good, but I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a dominant pitch. Um, and then the fastball is an elite. Uh, he doesn't have that third pitch. So hopefully he can, he can work on that repertoire. He's still really young. He's got great control. He doesn't walk guys. Um, so, you know, when he does give up home runs, you hope that they're mostly solo shots. Um, but you know, I think the longer term outlook, I still have some questions about, um, you know, how good, uh, how good Paddock will be again, he's young, he will develop and I'll probably be eating dirt or whatever it is like at the end of this, you know, next year come this time. But, you know, I just haven't seen the type of dominant performance that like we saw like from Walker Bueller last year. And again, he's a special case, but, um, I just don't, I don't, um, I don't see greatness yet for paddock and yeah
1: no i don't disagree with you and i've watched him it's been fun to watch but it seems like he's he wants to overpower you or throw his change up there's not a whole lot there but hey luis castillo does it so maybe he'll figure it out but i'm with you it's no walker bueller elite type stuff but uh, let's talk about the guy speaking of elite no i'm just kidding but um, (laughs) dylan bundy and i know it's a name that when you just hear it people cringe and kind of turn the page but like at this time of the year i've used him a lot in dfs i've recommended him a lot in dfs you really got to look at this guy in the month of august he's made five starts he's got at least five innings in all five of those starts he's given up two run runs or less than four of those five he struck out six or more in three of those five he's only given up two home runs in the entire month of august that's in 29 innings pitched for dylan bundy that's like record-setting stuff <laughs> for sure. um and and it's not just like it's well he was pitching in a certain no he had four starts in Camden Yards, very friendly. And his fifth start was in the Bronx against the Yankees. So he's had very hitter friendly venues all five times out. He had a 403 ERA with a 348 XFIP. He's been very, very good, Toby. Um, I'm not like saying everybody run to go get him, but he's very usable in fantasy right now. Is there anything besides his name and his past experience that tells you don't do it?
0: huh. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes and no. Um. I think uh, 295 WOBA since August first, 311 expected WOBA. Again, like the quality of contact metrics are not, uh, they're not predictive. Uh, and so, uh, you know, again, use them with caution. But I think that's all to say, like the combination of his strikeouts, his walks, and the quality of contact that he's given up is slightly better than league average overall. And I'd say worse than league average when it comes to a fantasy context his skills are actually down over his last five starts. Um, Nearly every metric outside of his first pitch strike rate is worse than his three-year average. Um, So again, the skills are not uh, taking off in any particular direction that points to him being better than he um, has been previously. I think last year was probably an extreme in terms of the quality of contact that he gave up being worse than it probably should have been. And I think this year, um, he's probably been on the, on the luckier end of things, and who, who he is as a pitcher overall, at least in, in Camden, is somewhere kind of in between those two. Um, you know, and I guess the major thing for me is, you know, yes, he's had better quality of contact metrics so far this year overall and recently, but, you know, he's still a guy who's pitching in the AL East, um, and especially, like, not even talking about this year moving forward, you're talking about the Yankees are going to be great, the Red Sox are still going to have a great offense. The Blue Jays have an up and coming offense, um, you know, and the Rays have an up and coming offense, right? Like that's just, you know, there's no division that you'd rather not be in as a starting pitcher, especially one with a history of quality of contact issues. So I think there's nothing changes. He's still kind of a ticking time bomb when it comes to uh, blowing up, but he certainly has some K upside. Um, And, you know, the Orioles are a smart organization now. I think you can say that. And so, hopefully they can work with him, develop him as a pitcher to be a little bit better or, you know, some smart team in the off season with a better home park um, who's, who's also smart, maybe can make a move for him and make him a little bit more viable, but I don't see anything having changed from who he's previously been this season, which is a better pitcher than he was last year.
1: Yeah, no, I just wanted to bring him up. Cause I think there's, I think there's fantasy viability here. The blowups always there. But it's like, would you rather have Dylan bunny or Vinny Velasquez?
0: Gotta do that to me, Bubba. After what Bundy put me through last year or last I, week, they both have that blow <laughs> potential.
1: It's like they're almost the same pitcher.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's let's see. Let's let's run a little. Let's run a little game. All right. We're gonna do. Uh, okay. On the on the spot. Uh, Velasquez twenty seven point two percent CSW. Bundy twenty nine point eight CSW. So we give Bundy. Bundy, punt, point to Bundy. Bundy, 34.7% of his pitches have been balls. Uh, Velasquez, 34.6% of his pitches have been balls. They're right like near the, each other. They're like you know, the same so with, <laughs> yeah, with that being said, I'd probably lean Velasquez just because the situation, I think, is better, right? They're both not the ballparks that you would like to see, uh, but Velasquez has an opportunity to win more games uh, with the Phillies. I also think that Velas- uh Vinny V has an excellent um close out uh to the season here. I think you know, I think every single matchup he has is let's see, he goes Wednesday. So he's got Pittsburgh and then he's got at Cincinnati and then he's got at New York. Uh and then maybe he has Boston. So um, you know, I'd lean Vinny V in that scenario, but you know, I think they're close enough to um make me want to gag
1: and vomit. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably the bottom line. But if you're desperate, <laughs> deep leagues, they're your guys. Um, Last guy we'll mention here, a guy that's been making people vomit, especially in uh, in Queens these days, is Zach Wheeler. You know, going to get traded, doesn't get traded. First two starts in August, seven shutout, eight shutout at the White Sox, home versus the Marlins. But since then, given a five-run at Atlanta, four runs at Kansas City, and five runs again at home versus Atlanta. Last three starts have been dreadful, not striking many guys out in those three starts either. The long ball's flying. It's been, it's been a really rough road here. Again, two of those three starts were the Astros. Maybe there's, I mean, the Braves, maybe there's something to that. But uh, Zach Wheeler is a guy that many are depending on right now, unlike Dylan Bundy and Vinny Velasquez. They want to pitch Zach Wheeler. Are we really concerned right now after these last three starts that have pretty much blown up your fantasy teams?
0: Yeah, you know, um, one thing I'll say about Wheeler is I think he is very instructive um, for future seasons. And the reason I say that is last year, he had that super hot second half. And when you looked at all the metrics, right, the expected wOBA was really, really low. Um, The the quality of contact people making was really, really bad. He looked like a guy who was kind of taking a jump to the next level, even though the skills didn't necessarily point to that, right? Like the swinging strike rate never got too high he improved his control metrics, which is key, right? Cause there's fewer guys on base uh, getting free passes. But when you look at a lot of the starting pitchers who went high this year that have struggled, a lot of them were guys who had anomalies when it came to the quality of contact they were giving up last year. Think about Trevor Bauer, super low home run per fly ball rate, super low BABIP, or like relatively low BABIP. Right. And it wasn't necessarily that they didn't earn that in, in that season. Right. They, they, they limited contact in that season but what we know is that things like expected woba and quality of contact are not um in most situations the vast majority outside of the extremes are not um you know are not predictive year to year look at Aaron Nola Aaron Nola had a super low babbitt last year right he had a 251 babbitt this year it's normalized to 287 and what's happened is ERA is up a full run it's hard to distinguish like exactly how much of that is you know, just regression and how much of that is, uh, you know, the quality, the, the the happy fun ball. But I do think that that, um, you know, that that's um, important to think about. Just like Luis Castillo two years ago when he had that excellent second half of the season where his Babbitt was super low, he wasn't giving up any home runs, you know, we saw some, some regression from that um, last year um, as well. And I think it just shows that it's really, really hard to suppress contact for an extended period of time. And so the guys that I'd be looking to fade entering next year are the guys who have that very low BABIP, um, that very high strand rate, um, you know, their very low home run per five ball rate, unless they've shown a consistent history of doing that. So that's a little bit of a tangent, but I do think that it's very, very um, instructive. So Wheeler, 307 WOBA since August 1st, 323 expected WOBA. So he's actually been a little lucky since August 1st. His last five stars look a lot like the past three years. Uh, and that means, you know, like as disappointing as it is to say, like nothing too special on the swinging strike rate. It's at 10.3%. His control metrics are better. They're, they're solid. He's giving up a low walk rate. that We like to see that. Um, his O swing has been problematic. Where he's really gone through periods of struggling is when people haven't been chasing pitches outside the zone. And so, you know, walk rate goes up as a result of that. And then he's forced to come into the zone. Uh, with you know a high fastball approach uh, which you know can get hit around a little bit Um, and I think his problem and this is something I've highlighted you know kind of throughout Zach Wheeler analysis and that's not to say I didn't think he was going to be good heading into this year is that he just doesn't have a dominant pitch his highest swinging strike rate on any pitch that he has including his breaking and off speed stuff is 12.5 percent right and so as a result um, he can't put guys away at an at at above average rate, let alone an elite rate. His K percentage this year is 23.6%. Now, because he walks few batters, you know, that means his K per nine is right around nine, but that's not necessarily special um, in these days. And so I think Wheeler is kind of who, uh, not who we thought he was, but who the, the projections thought he was. Um, and Rob Silver's highlighted this in the past, like he's right around where he was. Uh, you know, at least where his projections thought he would be. And then when you in- incorporate like the, uh, the batted ball, the ball being what it is, you know, he is kind of what, like, he is what he is, what he is. And I think we can expect kind of more of the same moving forward, a high threes ERA, uh, a whip in the one, two to one, three range, um, something of that nature about a K per per nine, which isn't not valuable, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a top 100 pitcher type material like he was going earlier this year.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's been interesting with him. He'll, he'll still be very good, as you said. It's just been a rocky road there for Zach Wheeler, up and down all season long. So uh, really good and really bad moments at times. So really interesting guy to just hold on to. And I guess you got to play them all to get the good and the bad when it comes to Zach Wheeler. It's tough to pick those spot starts because he gets blown up and you don't expect it and pitches gems when you do. So roll those dice. Let's talk some fab from this last weekend. As the season starts winding down and guys are Becoming more and more out of fab like myself. I had six dollars going to the week. I have four dollars leaving the week. Um, my league didn't have <laughs> a lot of fab go on. Um, it's real simple. Like, you know, I picked up Nick Solak for two dollars unopposed. Framber mm-hmm. Valdez was a big move that got someone got for uh, Kenneth Lee got for three dollars he's gonna get some starts again for the Astros. You know, Plutko and Bailey, two two star guys, got picked up. Dexter Fowler got grabbed, Mark Belanson, who's not saving, got grabbed, and then Aviso like García is sitting out there, someone got him Someone spent 80 bucks with a runner up bid of $2. So that's a, that's a big ouch. Big, big ouch. But yeah, like it's funny. Uh, Aviso Garcia, 80 bucks, two runner up. Melanthan, 73, 44 runner up. Okay, that was okay. But Fowler, 25 runner up two. Plutko, 16 runner up two. Bailey, five runner up one. Nothing else was opposed. There was a total of like 11 moves this week. It was a very quiet week in my league, but nothing too crazy. We talked about Solak last week. We talked about Rivaldez. Valdez. Um, Really nothing too crazy outside of uh, maybe Dexter Fowler, who's been leading off and playing well for St. Louis. Uh, what ha- Anything interesting in your league?
0: Yeah, I mean, as usual, we had a ton of, uh, ton of fab bids. We had 33, I think. Um, My goodness. That went in, yeah. It's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting heated in the Champions League. Uh, Matt McGill was the big bid, $23 bucks, uh, to Eddie Amalger who's in second place um, in the league and really, really great team. Uh, runner-up of three. Um, Brant Chester got Daniel Hudson for 11, runner-up of two. Uh, uh, John Hegland got Brock Burke. Uh, 11, bit of 11, runner-up of four. Uh, Dylan Cease went for nine. Uh, Joey Votto for nine. Uh, Austin Riley for five. Adam Frazier for four. Tony Gonsolin for four. Chris Taylor for four. He was on the way of a wire after that long injury. Uh, Tony Walters for four. Eddie or uh, Eddie Amalger got Willie Castro, who we talked about earlier, for four. Uh, Abraham Toro for three. Nick Solak for three. I was in on Solak. I think my bid was the two runner up there. Uh, DJ Stewart, Harrison Bader, Jairo Diaz, Andrew Miller, Martin Perez, Spencer Turnbull. Yes, we're all Francisco over the board Francisco Zach Eflin, Johnny Cueto. Nate uh Nate Lowe. Who who,
1: who who took a gamble on Johnny Quaid on it better than a dollar?
0: Oh, it was uh one dollar to um, our buddy Brian Slack. Um, okay. so so Slack yeah, knows he what also, he's doing, but I just don't he, see oh, he him. Knows what he's doing. I don't see uh, I know I know he's past. gonna stay for one more start, but it was looking like I think right like he was gonna come up in the next yeah. rotation. Uh, Nate Lowe went for one, which I think could could prove to be a, a really Huge nice bid there. That went to Brian as well, who also got rowdy Teyes um for one uh jason castro went for one matt beady went for one uh and then uh yours truly i picked up matt joyce for one dollar nice. uh, with was a one dollar backup bid um which means that one of the two guys at the top went for him but it was a travel day for me yesterday i flew out of minneapolis um, at 11 o'clock in the morning i arrived into california at one PM, and the, game, the had game started. Started, and so I never got to stick Matt Joyce. I picked him up in a bunch of places. He was at Coors. I think he went two for three with a walk yesterday. Yeah. He was at Coors yesterday, and then at Toronto for two games today. And he I didn't doubled see tonight. He, he doubled tonight. So yeah. enough, I didn't miss out on anything a ton, but I did that, and then I got Ryan Stanek as just kind of a guy who I could throw in. Um, to my lineup uh, because he does get some saves for the Marlins. I'm actually doing pretty well in saves there, but I can uh, I'm, I think I'm like three behind Clay Link uh, for number one um, in the uh, in the league, and I'm trying to get points wherever I can because I've got a little bit of a of an uphill battle. Um, it's been a good season for me overall, um, but I'm still back. Uh, Kenyatta Storin is at 122 points, 13th overall. Uh, Eddie is at 110 points, 20th overall, and then I am at 21st overall uh, with 108 points. James Anderson's at 25th overall, Clay Link at 28th overall. So five teams in the top 30 there, um, and I think you know Kenyatta is doing a great job. Uh, he's got a very very balanced team, so it's definitely going to be hard to catch up with him. But crazier things have happened over the course of a little bit more than a month, so. I'm hoping um, that I'll get up there. I was actually up to 110 before that Mike Minor blow up. I'm gonna miss out on the on the win there, which would have been, which would have uh, potentially, let's see, it would have come in handy. Yeah, it would have got me closer to the guys who were above me there. So anyways, uh, nobody really cares that much about how I'm doing in TGFBI, but it's definitely tight at the top. Uh, I really wanna do well in that league. It's a great group of players. And as you can tell by the number of fab bids that are being put in, um, people are just really competing uh, towards the end so uh, regardless of really where they are in the standings
1: yeah no that, that's pretty good stuff I'm 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 in third and ours 107 points behind Brock Nest, Monster and Kenneth Lee and I'm tra- Kenneth Lee probably not going to catch him but I'm only three behind Brock so I'd like to take the second place that'd be a, nice that'd be great I, I would take that as I've been grinding I got as low as seven I've ground back got back up to third and I'm right behind him uh you know Wilmer Font and I, I'm going to keep preaching that play two more innings two shut innings four more K's today. Ah. Just keep keep throwing that opener out there, Big Ben. Keep doing it. Um, he's got like one That's bad one out of four of my pads, so I'll take it all day long. Yeah, but, uh, totally.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's that time of the season, man. It's just grind, grind, grind. It's It's fun. I really, really enjoy. I know it's like exhausting because everybody's super tired, but I just love – I forgot how much I love the second half of the season because the picture really starts to crystallize a little bit. And it's that management of like, where can I give a little bit? Where do I need to gain doing those strategic, like, you know, uh, burn it, churn and burn like guys every single week, trying to increase in those categories, you need them, but also having to be cognizant of the fact that you can't just ignore the other categories and lose ground in them too. So I'm, um, I'm really excited for the, for the, for the final stretch here. It should be a lot of fun and hopefully we can continue to keep um well we are going to continue to keep rolling out the podcast and hopefully people are finding it helpful uh, towards the end here
1: yeah no doubt about it we will definitely keep doing this every uh, start of the week monday or tuesday nights we'll make it happen but for now that'll wrap up the sixth edition of above and the bat Flip. you can find toby on twitter at BatflipCrazy and all his great stuff at batflipcrazy.com uh the itunes Crazy, all the great spots you can find you're listening he has you covered under batflipcrazy i'm on twitter at bdentric so check us all out Until next time, Toby, this was edition six of Bubba and Batflip. Catch you guys later.
0: That is going to wrap us up for episode 92 of the Batflip Crazy podcast and episode six of Bubba and the Batflip. Hope you enjoyed that. If you did enjoy that podcast or you have enjoyed previous podcasts or you just want to give me a pick-me-up, Uh, Feel free to go over to the Apple podcast, leave a five-star rating and a review. Really, really appreciate it when folks do that. If you've already done that, please do like the podcast, retweet it, spread the word. Um, Help us get to uh, as many people as possible. Um, Unless, of course, they're your league mates, then you can uh, withhold sharing the podcast from them until uh, the offseason. But, you know, at some point in time, hopefully uh, they'll learn about it. All right. A lot of fun. We'll be back next week. We'll be recording on Tuesday of next week because of the Labor Day weekend. I'm going to be uh, on a little bit of a vacation uh, for a few days uh, up in Lake Tahoe, so it should be fun. Uh, Anyways, uh, best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck heading into this final uh, month of the season. Take care and be kind to one another.